Welcome to Society Superheroes podcast. Today we're celebrating Freedom Day. Freedom Day is celebrated on the 27th of April each year and honors the anniversary of South Africa's first non-racial election of 1994 and pays homage to the country's liberation from apartheid rule, where the minority exercised prejudicial power over the majority of our country. Today we chat to power couple Barney and Melanie Andrews. Barney and Melanie are community leaders and community builders. High school sweethearts, raised in Gelukstal, Barney and Melanie have chosen to stay in Gelukstal and build their community. Barney is skilled in banking, project management, strategic planning, stakeholder management and strategy. As a self-confessed talk show and news junkie, Barney was captivated by the buzzword social entrepreneurship and enrolled at the Gordon Institute of Business Sciences Social Entrepreneurship Program in 2018. He describes this experience as mind-blowing on how to tackle inequality and injustice in our communities and ultimately paved the way for the Gelukstal Artisan Training Center. Melanie lives a life of impact with the goal of creating a life of freedom, free from hate, violence, bullying, poverty, inequality and social ills. In 2017, Melanie launched a dance academy aiming to create a safe space in townships for children to channel their time and artistic skills and working to create training and employment for dance teachers. Through her journey with the Impact Hub, Melanie was introduced to the United Nations SDGs. She launched Women and Girl Changemakers South Africa, working to ensure a seat at the table for girls and women. Hello, Barney and Melanie. <laughs> good day. Right. How's it? Good, good. All right. So just to begin with, you know, the, the idea that we as a country moved from a place where people exerted their political power over the majority of the population, we get the vote and then we are believed to be free. Is it true that we are free in society as we sit here today? Okay, so thanks for having us. I'll, I'll take a stab at this one. I think, um, yes, what an introduction there, look. <laughs> I think um, all of us, if, if you ask any youngster, teenager at the time, <clears throat> 94, 93, when um, we went to our first uh, democratic elections, all of us were very excited, almost same as when we won the, the rights to hold the 2010 World Cup. Um, full of optimism and I think um, today almost 30 years later um, we're in a very depressing situation as a country so are we free I think that depends in terms of what your definition of freedom is uh, yes we we've got freedom to vote we've got freedom of movement um, but are we enjoying the the, the freedom from the from from the fruits um, that this country um, should and can deliver, in that context, I would say no. And for yourself, I think for me to add on there would be um, while inequalities and injustices exist, we can truly not say that we are free. Mm. Um, author Thomas Paine, in his book of Rights of Man, said. While we do not ha allow the next person the same rights that we allow ourselves, creates or gives birth to social, social ills. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think the thing I've struggled with, you know, being a man of, a, of about 50, you know, we kind of really celebrated our freedom with Freedom Day. 
and then it was almost like there was this great hope for what would happen with our young mm. people. And much like yourselves, I've, I've dedicated my whole life to working mm. with the youth. So what, what do you think the youth are seeing at the moment, especially our born freeze, the one who did not know the world prior to yeah. the date we're celebrating? How do they view the world that we have handed them in your experience? Yeah, and, and, and that for me is, is the most important um, question. And that is why we are doing the work that we are doing. Um, and I'll give background later in terms of, um, especially as your experience as a, as a black child. Well, well, we can go into the definition of even what black means these days. But um, just, just, just that hope, as you're saying, what we experienced and the hope that we had in 94 um, versus what our youngsters are experiencing this year is completely different. Um, I mean, we have this conversation all the time, Melanie and I, that um, you knew that if, as long as you work hard in school and you study, whether it was that you can only become a teacher or a nurse or an artisan, uh, as it were back in, the, in, in those days, um, you had hope. And hope was was always on the horizon. Mm. Our youngsters these days do not have that hope. Mm. Even if they, we've been having this conversation offline as well with the artisan schools versus universities. Um, even young university graduates these days graduate with a master's or a PhD, and then they remain hopeless. So, 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 so it's completely different in terms of how we experience South Africa. Mm as young people these days. So, and that gave birth to a lot of the work why we said we need to get involved um, in the type of work that we do at a community level from b trying to build from the ground up. So I, I think um, looking at the work that, that you do, Barney and Melanie, and, and obviously the work that you do, Luke, I think that in as much as you work with the youth, you very much work within the scope of hope. And mm. that hope word has come up a lot in this conversation. Yeah. And I believe you are giving young people tremendous hope. Mm. And if there's anything that we're doing, that's where we should be working, is giving young people skills mm. and hope and an education. So mm. tell us a little bit more about the Gelukstal Artisan Center and, and what gave rise to that. Yeah. So, yeah, Karen, as you know, this, this was my ALP. And this is probably why I did not complete my, nah. my, 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 my Gibbs um, what was the program? Social, <laughs> social, social, social entrepreneurship program. And would be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I apologize, Anthony, if you ever get to listen to this. Um, but as you know, this, 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 this was my action learning program um, on the Gibbs program. And um, obviously toying with the idea, um, because that's exactly why I, I joined the, uh, uh, the Gibbs program. My background is that I am a BEE and mine consulting specialist, practitioner in, in, in that environment. And when I left EmpowerDex, obviously to start my own consultancy business, it was with that hope that I can bring much needed change um, to communities. But I just could not uh, um, feel comfortable or felt that it was enough that we were doing. So and, and that pushed me actually to because social entrepreneurship was a buzzword at the time as well. Everybody was talking social entrepreneurship, this social entrepreneurship, that. 
Um, and we had all these reports coming from X, uh, Oxfam um, and Melanie uh, speaking about um, the United Nations goals. So for me, it was really trying to, to, to find myself and re-immerse myself into what I believed was transformation we're doing enough from a BEE space, for example. And it was really that failure, as, 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 as I saw it in myself, that we're not doing enough, um, that drove me to say, okay, so we need to sort of like change um, the way we look at things. And it was, it was on the Gibbs program, all the conversations that we had. That's why when I went back, I always said to all the CEOs, um, I mean, we have some big clients in our portfolio. And I said, look, every CEO, if I had my way, every CEO has to attend this course. Mm -hmm. Because it just opened us up in, in, in ways that we never imagined um, we can make a difference in society. Mm -hmm. So that gave birth to, 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 to the Halakzal Artisan Center. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, why, why I chose that as my project um, is because um, when I was driving, I run my business from, from the community of Halakzal, which is on the outskirts of, of Joburg, far, far east. Far, we, we far are, we're east. from the far east. We come from the east, yes. So, so, so it, was, it was really when, when, when I go to meetings in Santon, having worked in Santon for three, four years, mm. then I realized, but... This community, youngsters are almost roaming around. Um, and, 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 and that became a concern to me to say, but um, we have to do something to get kids off the street. When kids are saying, because all of us that, that, that work in, in, in cities like Santon, you're, you're, you're five, that's, that's the time that I used to leave work, five to seven jobs, you felt that, but I am working hard. Mm. Any person can do this. Mm. But unless... But unless you're in that person's uh, shoes or situation, you would never understand the struggles that they really have. And that was an eye-opener to me. You know, we, we're talking about privilege. These days is another buzzword in South Africa. So I was looking at my privilege at the time, as, as we said in the intro. Um, I had the opportunity to go and study marketing um, and various other courses. But our youngsters these days don't have that. And, and in that the South African economy is also not opening up or growing at the rate that we should to create these opportunities. So it was really that that opened up my mind in the sense that we need a different way of getting our youngsters involved, whether it's in business, whether it's in training, um, at a ground level once again. So so that gave birth to the uh, to, to the Halakzal Artisan Center. Look, it, it, it's a very exciting thing for me because uh, what people often don't realize is that white people were also raised in places that were designed to be working class and generate artisans. So I'm from the south of Joburg. The deep the school, south. The deep south. And the school that I went to was actually designed to make us into tradesmen. And I come from a long line of tradesmen and you know, my father worked in the car trade, etc., etc. And the thing that I find quite sad is that we don't value the artisan. And I think there is a, there's a bit of a backlash, which I'm trying to understand, because a lot of the people who ran the artisan businesses and got the formal qualifications were the white guys, were the buckies. And they employed what they called unskilled labor, which was primarily the black guys who were standing waiting for some work to do, and highly, highly skilled uh, men, primarily, who didn't get any, any inverted commas formal qualification, but are often more skilled than the qualified artisan. Mm. And it, do you feel that there's the sense that the the lack of value of artisans is on the back of that, 
where it was these are unskilled people they they go and they get dirty they plumbers and i mean we don't want to do that we want something else which is this aspiration to the saint and privilege you talk mm. about rather than in inverted commas getting your hands dirty why don't we value artisans yeah and again i i i i think it's because of the historical perception mm. Um, and I think this this gets embodied in us when when we in school, the kids that that that, that know how to do maths mm. are the smart kids True. and the counting. Um, so 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 we looked at kids that does woodwork um, as 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 not the not so bright kids. Mm. Um, and I think that's where that stigma mm. or stereotype, um, for lack of a better phrasing of it, mm. stems from. Um, but whilst we were in your green room <laughs> uh, earlier, we spoke of ex ex exactly this, this, this sort of thinking. Um, and I always uh, say to the youngsters, because I am always doing the, 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 in, the induction. So, uh, so I do about a two-hour, three-hour session um, with the youngsters. Um, so that Because a lot of them, even though we get them onto the program and they're going to earn a, a stipend of 2000 or 3000 whatever, they still feel sort of like as failures. Mm -hmm. So I always tell them this story and I said, but look, I was considered one of the smart kids in the class because I knew how to do math and accounting and all these things. But now I am working for all the kids that were sitting in the back of the class that knew how to work with their hands. Mm -hmm. These are the guys that are producing the 100 and the 200 million rands um, in turnovers. And I must not be comfortable with the whatever consultancy fee I charge them. So, 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 so I really try to inspire them because that is really where the future of, of any country for that matter. We need accountants and, and, and marketers for, for various reasons of marketing a business and for compliances, etc. But if, if you look at any country around the world that has got the highest GDPs, you can look at Australia, you can look at America. It is all your artisans. You can look at the German system. It is, it is, it is your artisans that are leading these institutions. I mean, if I'm a huge sports fan. Karen said that earlier as well. If you look at a guy like Toto Wolf, for example. Who is that? So, you, know, you know, I'm not a sports person, <laughs> but I only know about motorsport. I was going to introduce him because, <laughs> because, because it's, it's your favorite driver's um, uh, principal, Lewis Hamilton. So Toto He's not Wolf, my favorite driver. Is he not? Sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> sorry, I just have to put it out there. Lewis Hamilton is not my favorite. Okay. <laughs> so Toto Wolf, Toto Wolf, for example, heads up the, 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 the Mercedes team um, 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 that's competing at the F1. Now, he's an artisan because he works with his hands, understands fully all the dynamics um, that goes into the aerodynamics and the fuel and the petrol, everything that's got to do with that vehicle. Toto Wolf has got an understanding of that. And it's because of his artisanal training why he's there. And I mean, he's the highest paid um, principal in motorsport. So, 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 so that's the type of paradigm shift and mind change that I want our youngsters. I mean, I walked into your offices here and already I wanted to go and recreate a lot of these things in, in our communities. Mm. Um, because for me, that is really where the future are. We should be able to do these big projects in our communities, albeit not at the same cost, but at least at the developmental level, our kids should be understanding that side of, the, of business economics. 
So I'm going to try and get this right because it was a story that was relayed to me. So I don't know the names or anything. But someone did tell me that there is a woman who works within the same Formula One team that you speak about at Mercedes. And she's exceptionally qualified and absolutely brilliant at what she does. She took her car into Mercedes. I mean, she probably knows more than everybody combined in the dealership. And when she went in, Mm. they didn't even look at her. She had her male partner with her and they immediately deferred to him. So, Melanie, in terms of girls and women and having a seat at uh, um, at the table, Barney spoke about a paradigm shift. How are we working and how can we work better to ensure that girls and women have a seat at the table? I think from my side, it's, it's allowing fair opportunity and not to have the stigmatization that men are allowed to do artistic jobs um, and women should be doing, working in the hair salon or doing nails. We all are capable of doing everything and we need to be treated equal. And I think from that perspective, we need to start making, creating such platforms to be more inclusive for everyone to have an opportunity to be trained within um, being an artisan and all that. And I think Barney forgot to also mention that his inspiration that he drew from was actually from his father-in-law. Because <laughs> his father-in-law... Is that your, is that your dad, Melanie? Yes, my dad. <laughs> So my dad has been a, an artisan all his life, um, and I've got two siblings as well, two brothers, and both of them has followed suit. They're also in the artisan training. And so um, growing up in that environment, it was a case for me that our, our, our place was in the kitchen as, mm. as mother and daughter, and the boys were, the, the place was obviously doing the hard labor. But I think doing that paradigm shift is where we need to create that environment where we raise our kids, how we, how, how, what we teach them. You know, when we, when we raise girls and when we raise boys, we buy girls dolls and we buy boys mm. cars. Yeah. So it starts from that developmental area with how we, we, we develop our kids, both boys and girls, to be able to say that girls can also play with boys, or with, with, with toys, with mm. cars, sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. Boys with toys. <laughs> boys with toys. So yes, girls can also play with um, cars and they can also build. And, and starting with those developmental stages, we can also then create through that a platform for women um, in that area. I, I, I also just want Melanie to share the story because we've got three kids, two boys and, and, and a daughter. Um, and um, a lot of our conversation, um, because we're so community driven, um, in, in building up young kids. So some of the conversations that Melanie would have with our daughter, for example, I would like her to tell the story herself. Um, because even even as a father um, to my daughter, some of those stereotypes have found their way mm-hmm. into, into, into my own art. Sure. So when my daughter says that she wants to do, she wants to be a hairdresser, I'm like, no, man, I'm not raising a hairdresser. So, but the conversation changed between her and Melanie in terms of the science side of it. Mm. So how can you become, I don't know if you want to relay the story, how, how, how can you come, become more involved in terms of on, on, on developing the hair products mm. and the green and the safe products? Because there's an element of, of, of maths and science in that. So we shouldn't frown upon these things um, that I'm going to be a hairdresser or I'm going to be a cook in, in, in the kitchen because it is not just the, 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 the act 
of, of cooking or washing hair. There's so much that we can develop within that space. And I think, Aaron, you were right earlier, that from, 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 from being an artisan, it opens up your mind to all the other possibilities in how you should be looking at these things. I mean, there's the gas, there's the stove. There's so, there's, there's so many things that we can just pull that kitchen apart and make that something for, for or create that a place for women. Um, come up with the next um, innovative refrigerator systems and microwave systems without looking at it from a woman's places in the kitchen from, you know, preparing the food. But how can I create these things? Um, that, 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 that ultimately um, assist us then to prepare a, a, a warm meal. Are you going to tell us that story, about, uh, Melanie? It was Barney sort of hijacked you there. <laughs> um, I think from, from, from my side, okay, let me, let me share the story. So, Jose um, is her name, and Jose um, was saying that she wants to have her own hairdresser one day. And I said to Jose, well, then let, me, let me go a bit deeper to, than that. So, our hair type, um, myself and Jose's hair type, only grows to a certain length, uh, and it doesn't grow longer than that. Um, and so when she was still very young, she would always ask me, Mom, why does my hair not grow up until my backside, you mm -hmm. know? And I said to her, well, Jose, maybe you need to look at, um, you know, when you say you want to have your own hairdresser, maybe look at the science aspect of it where you can develop mm. your own products and you can create something or develop something that can help our hair type mm. grow a certain length. So um, it's not just for us to look at it in one dimension to mm. see that, you know what, you can only be a hairdresser and do hair, blow hair and straighten hair, but there's also the developmental side of the products that is used for us to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> To have Barbie hair. <laughs> to have Barbie hair. <laughs> and so through that, she obviously got inspired. And the conversation that we have today is that she wants to be a scientist. Mm. Well, there you go. Not a hairdresser yeah. anymore. And so it's also just the type of conversation that we have and how we steer that um, mm. in terms of what... what yeah. Look, it's been absolutely fascinating, the issues around gender and autism versus university graduates, etc. But... The thing I've found most well, interesting and probably inspiring about your work is the fact that you are not a group of people who bettered yourself to escape your community. So th there's a very fine line, I'm sure you would have done it in your Gibbs course, and I'm sure you've all thought about it, but very often what we do, we go into community development with this idea yeah. that we can give these people these imaginary bootlaces by which they can pull themselves up and they can escape this ghetto that has yeah. been their childhood. And then all the people who have uh, developed uh, leave, rather than saying we need to develop our community because this is where we live. Mm. And that seems to be a very big part of what you've done. So in conclusion, what do you have to say to people in the developmental world around the fact that we don't all have to escape where we grew up? Mm. Yeah, I'm smiling. Um, I've, got a, I've got a friend, and, and I used to hold that view um, as well. I was very critical. Um, of people that come that become successful uh, some very close friends some family uh, because of that exact um, sort of like behavior mm. um, that and I think you framed it nicely that we need to escape the ghetto now I'm of the view that we must stop looking at our communities as being the ghetto mm. um, 
because there's so much attached to us, to these communities. And 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 yes, yes, yes. The thing about that sort of practice, because everybody that stays in, if I use Ekruleni um, as an example, mm. our our community members would move to uh, Brackpen or Sunair Park or mm. Sunwood Park. But every single weekend, you will find the same people in Khalakzal visiting Kayer. family. Kayer, mm. you know. And for me, it was the strangest thing. So 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 you need to create. A, a lifestyle mm. um, that you feel it's 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 uplifting or adds value to your life. So we've created a lot, of, but it also comes with a lot of criticism mm. because sure. communities look at you doing community work. Kara knows well what what uh, we had to go through last year just by giving support to the community from a COVID point of view. Mm. But then those things sort of like had a negative impact, which we still today cannot make sense of. Um, because people start looking at your lifestyle. Mm. That is impossible. Um, that you can stay in this community, do community work, and live as and create the sort of lifestyle that um, you are from a center mm. or whatever you. So, but the example that I that I want to use, I've got a good friend, Dr. Shafiq Adams. Yeah, he's going to send me hate mail after this <laughs> because because we used to have this debate always um, because I felt that. People were betraying our community mm-hmm. um, when 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 they uh, get upskilled or become very successful and then leave the community because then for me, you're removing all that hope that is supposed to be left behind. Mm-hmm. So we always have that toing and froing between the two of us in saying, but I can inspire young kids differently, mm-hmm. and I think he has sort of convinced me now that it doesn't have to be the case. Look, and we can also have mm-hmm. this discussion a little sure. bit in detail and the the case is that as long as they do come back mm. as long as they then do come back and create these environments and opportunities i am i am very pro my community mm. as i said I, I wish that next year when we do this interview in 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 where um what what did we do in the next 12 months um, we should be doing this in Halakzal mm, because that is how my brain works. Absolutely. Because once kids see these things in their own community, mm. and and I'm saying that I've I've got too many three quarter qualifications and degrees <laughs> or whatever. Um, and for me, and I tell kids these stories because it's like you said, and and and, and I mean this was part of the theme today mm. that you don't always need a a, a, a university qualification. Mm, okay, we need to inspire kids to to finish what they do. Um, but for me, that, that is a critical part of the conversation. Mm. How do you inspire back into the community so that kids don't have um, the, 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 the attitude that I need to get out of this dump? Mm. We must stop seeing our communities as dumps. Mm. The reason why the sentence and the Ravonias look like they do is because you guys from these areas. And, and, I'm and from the south. I'm not from <laughs> exactly. those areas. Yeah, but, 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 but I'm just saying that um, you know, um, the white Africans or English or Jewish communities, I mean, I can even say the Indian community, Lanasia, from, 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 from a black community's point of view, because Indians, I also consider them still black, um, even though uh, be in all other uh, horrific legislation is, is trying to, to just divide us mm. in, into greater uh, pockets of society. But I always look at communities like Lanasia and... Um, the one in Pretoria, uh, Lodium. Mm. 
as communities where, because Indian communities are very close communities, mm. and look what they have created. They've got some of the biggest brands, Mercedes-Benz, BMW. Mm. They've got some of the biggest brands. Their mall, Trade Route Mall, mm. is in the top 10 performing malls in South Africa. So for me, is you can absolutely um, um, achieve that transformation and creating a center in a community like mm, So for me, as long as we come back and, and we invest in our communities in, in that way, um, we would become free um, to, 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 mm. to bring it back. To, to bring, bring it back, back to Freedom Day. To Freedom, to freedom Day. Melanie and, and Barney from Luke and I, thank you ever so much for spending time with us on Society Superheroes. We hope you share it far and wide. Luke and I look forward to visiting Gelukstal. It'll be my second time, and I loved my first time. I'm happy to tell you that Luke still comes back to the South because I do see him at Gino's, which I think everybody okay. knows. Whether you live in the South or not, everybody knows Gino's restaurant. So Luke does come back to the South. So thank you for visiting home, Luke. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And I think, and uh, now I'm going to get hate mail, but I wouldn't make sense in the kind of uh, yardstick by which I kind of judge development. But that's my own issue. So, <laughs> thank you very much. It's been wonderful. And please join us next time where we have more very interesting discussions and debate with the great heroes of our societies. Thank you and have a lovely day. Thank you.